Alright, so let's sing it. I'm uh, the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join hands with Jesus as we travel this song. Settled and turning into your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. There's a couple of interesting things for your conversation starter. Did you know the most popular item that is sold in Walmart is? If you get this one right, you're very, very savvy. The most popular item sold in Walmart is. Take a guess. Coke, you say? Coca-Cola? No. Candy? Olive oil? Candy? Bottle water? Good guesses, but all wrong. You know what it is? You're going to be surprised by this. The most popular item at Walmart is bananas. Who would have guessed that? I would have guessed bottled water. <clears throat> They're going to hold to China. It's theoretically possible, they say, if you start in this country. A man said one year back in the 70s, if you dig a hole from Hawaii all the way through, you end up in China, which is sounded pretty awesome, but it wasn't true. 
the country you must start to dig a hole to China is Argentina. Hmm. Now that you know that, you are very smart. Doesn't mean anything, it just means you're very smart. First John chapter 5, we are continuing, I'm continuing, we're almost done with this book. It's a short book, but it has a lot of good truth for us to remember. And it is, I have found out, very, very practical as well as very much uh, full of good theology. All right, First John chapter 5, we ended last week at verse number 4. For what service born of God overcometh the world? And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And the comment on that verse was, because of faith in Christ, faith in the, faith in the Bible, we have the possibility and the reality of overcoming a lot of things this world as far as things that depress us, things that make us feel sad, things that make us feel hopeless. We have faith in the Word of God and in Jesus Christ, and that allows us to have victory over the world. Now, we're in verse number uh, 5 now, verses 5 through, well, hopefully up to verse number 13. Verse number 5, 1 John 5, verse number 5. This is he, this is he that cometh, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now you have this thing about water and blood, and sometimes it's hard to figure this out because we, our mind is thinking water and blood, water and blood. Uh, this is he that came by water and blood. What would that mean? Well, let's take a look at another verse to maybe come to some answer. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Though the Bible is all true, and though there are some simple verses to see and take at face value, there are some verses that are a little bit hard to understand. And we may have a tendency to believe something if we understand it, but that might not be the best thing. Sometimes you read it and you believe it because it is true, it's in the Bible, and then God reveals to you later on in your growth that, okay, now I understand it totally. And now in John chapter 19, in connection to water and blood, John 19.33 says this, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs, but one of the soldiers with the spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, that be John. And then verse um, number 36 says, For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And so to me it appears that uh, John is testifying of the fact that Jesus Christ actually did come in the flesh, and that blood and water came out of his body physically, literally. And this was the overall theme of John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, and First John, that epistle, is proving something. John wrote to prove that Jesus Christ did come in the flesh, and that he is the Son of God. Look at John chapter 10. It's a short verse, and the overall theme seems to be, more than be, in John's Gospel, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who is God in the flesh. John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and verse number 30. This is a uh, fantastic statement that the Lord gave and the Jews around him in his time took great offense at this. Begin at verse number 25, John 10, 25. 
Jesus said to them, I told you and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And that'd be an important statement there. Bearing witness, bearing witness, bearing witness. Testifying of something that Jesus said, testifying about what the Father has said in verse 26. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now look at verse 30. I and my Father are one. And that be that dynamite, that natural blessing that blew everything apart and just caused them to get so upset with Jesus Christ because he claimed to be equal to the Father. And so in John's Gospel, he writes about uh, the Lord coming uh, a spiritual being becoming flesh. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This is all somehow, I think, connected to this is he that came by water and blood or that connects to Jesus Christ being physical and literal. It's all connected. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. All right, you have a statement about eternity and that in the beginning, before the creation of everything, in eternity, there was the Word, and the Word was identified as someone who was with God, and then it says the Word was God, which kind of makes your mind spin. But if you take it for what it says, it is saying that the Word was God. Now look at verse number 14. And the Word of verse number 1, the Word was made flesh. That's very important. The Word, God, is spiritual, eternal, immortal being. The Word was made flesh. So in eternity, God did not have a body like a man. He did not have any... His body was not corporal. It was not physical. It was spiritual. It is spiritual. But in verse 14, the Word, the Son of God, was made flesh. And dwelt among us, says John, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bear witness of him. Okay, so come back to first John chapter five. These verses are saying in John's gospel, John Wallace wrote first John that he came by water and blood. So I say a connection to the crucifixion, but I also see the emphasis in the theme of John and the epistle of John, first John that he is talking about the fact that Son of God was not just a spirit. What was John combating in the first century? What would be the, the false teaching of heresy in the second and third centuries? What was he warning his writers about? So if you keep if you keep in context the reason why he wrote, you may get a clue as to why he's saying certain things. He was combating The Gnostics. The Gnostics were people who believed that they had special knowledge, secret knowledge. They were ultra-wise because of the secret knowledge. They were Gnostics. And they were teaching what is called Gnosticism. A, a teaching that they have this higher, special, unique wisdom that nobody else has. And along with that, they were teaching and believing that they, they understood 
physical things as being evil. Therefore, conclusion, based on that, Jesus cannot be the Son of God. He cannot be God the Son because he is physical. But wait a minute, that can't be because if he is physical, he cannot be God because everything physical is evil. So it doesn't compute. So their conclusion is, okay, then he must be just spiritual. The Son of God then must have only been a spiritual being. John says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, you, you saw John chapter 1. I'll go back to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And I hope you can see the overall context of why John writes this. John, 1 John chapter 1. I am my Father one, the Lord said. John 1, John reported that he became flesh. Now, in 1 John chapter 1, John says this. He writes this, verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Where did you find the word word before? John chapter 1, verse number 14. You know what John is saying, emphasizing? And it sounds like he said this a lot. He's only said it two times. He said, look, we saw him. We saw him. We heard him. We handled him. The word of life. Handled something means you just, you touch something. So here's my, my fault pen. It's orange. <laughs> I love this pen. It writes very good. It's a cheap pen from Territorial Savings. It writes really nice. This is the kind of pen I like. It writes nice and it's cheap. And uh, we have pens that are not so cheap, but they're nice. But this is a nice one because it's, it's orange. It's fall color. Right? It could be brown. I still like that. And then I'll change my mind in the spring. But uh, I am handling this pen. I just handled this pen. I just picked it up. I touched a physical thing with my physical hand. And I used it. I handled it. John says, we have handled the word of life. We shook hands with them. We hugged each other. And we walked with each other. We saw him. We witnessed his miracles. We saw him eat. We saw him pray to his father. We eavesdropped on him. We know that he's not just a spirit. See? And when the Lord is resurrected, remember he said, Thomas, look, touch me. I print my, my hands and my side. Touch me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone. Can you understand the overall context about this water and blood and all this is about the, phys the physicalness of Jesus Christ? He's a real, he was a real person, a real man. And so look at John, First uh, John chapter 5 again. So I think that's what he's talking about. Verse number 6, 1 John 5, 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now the Holy Spirit comes into play. Now the Holy Spirit has a function and a role to fulfill. The Holy Spirit is the one in verse number 6 who has come to bear witness of this truth. The third person of the Godhead, his role is to bear witness of the truth. Remember in John 16, he says, when the Spirit of God comes, the comfort has come, he will testify of me and remind you of all things. Well, that's because in John 16, 13, when he says that, he's all about pointing to the Son of God. He's all about emphasizing the second person of the Godhead or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has come 
He's come to testify of the one above him, the Son of God. Now, the, the Godhead, the Holy Trinity, they, it is God revealed, manifest in three persons. And so the Father is the Father, the Son of God is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. They all have the qualities of God. The Holy Spirit knows all things and sees all things and is everywhere. The Son, like that too, and the Father, of course, like that. So they all have the qualities and attributes of God, but one God. Okay? One God. Separate personalities, very distinct. The study of the Trinity is really kind of fascinating, and there's a lot of verses you can go to for each aspect of it. Just remember this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always in that order. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The third person, though he be the third person, it is not saying he is third in value or third in power or third in attributes. It just means he's the third person of the Godhead. God is always there, number one. The Father, the Son, always number two, the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit, always number three. And He has come to reveal about the Son and who He is and everything about Him. The Holy Spirit never talks about Himself, never emphasizes Himself, never makes a big issue about Himself. Whenever a church or people always emphasize the Holy Spirit, and you listen after a while, it's always the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit told me, God, the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit let me. Well, that could be true, but whenever there's an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit, you are making Him, there's too much attention to Him because the Son gets all the attention. He came to glorify Him, not glorify Himself. And so be careful that you don't get caught up in this, the Holy Spirit, everything Holy Spirit. Uh, another day, another time to spend time about that. But for now, he has come to testify of the Son of God, who he is, and tell truth about him. And he's come to bear a record of him and testify about him. Leads us into all truth, John 16, 13 says, all truth about the Son of God. The leading to all truth does not mean he leads you into all truth about every single thing in this lifetime. Because that would be kind of, kind of difficult. And there's so many things to, to cloud our understanding of what is really the truth. But to lead you to all truth and read about, about who the Son of God is, yes, yes, yes. Now, can he lead you to all truth about different circumstances? Yes, yes, yes. Just be cautious not to go out of balance about a lot of things. Okay? So what I'm praying about this guy over here, and I want to know if he's really on the level, if he's, or I'm praying about employing this person, I'm praying about doing this, something else, something important. Now, we're not saying, and I'm not saying, the Bible's not saying, don't ask the Lord to help you and guide you. He does say that. If any man lack wisdom, ask of God. That's for sure. But you want to be careful by coming. The word I want to use, and use it carefully, is superstitious. You don't want to become superstitious about, this is how I know God's got me because of how I feel. I don't feel good about this, therefore. Or I feel good about this, therefore. So... It, it can go in both directions <clears throat> very extremely. You want to be careful about that. Okay? Other factors you ought to consider besides just you feel like the Lord's telling you to do something. Okay? All right? There's a lot about that still that can be talked about and taught about. Just be cautious about emphasizing too much the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. You having a good day? I hope so. All right, now look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. We now run into trouble, 
Now with us, we'll run into trouble about this verse. Verse number seven says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, look at that verse again, please. Read it to yourself in your head. Now, I ask you, what is it saying? How many, quote, people are referred to here? How many? Three, because it says these three, and you have the three named, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Those three are mentioned, those three are named, and then it says these three are one. one. Okay. And it says that these three bear record in heaven. And these three are one. Now your mind can go kind of, excuse me, I can't, it, it, this formula does not work out. It doesn't make sense. You come to a dead end sometimes because it is a, a simple verse, but it seems to be kind of, what? This is, huh? Now, do you know that that verse is a problem verse for many people? Because of what it says, these three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, here's my other Bible. This is a old school to reference Bible. It has good notes in it. The old school to reference Bible has good notes in it. The new school to reference Bible has notes in it that has been kind of uh, changed from the old school to notes. Now, here's what it says right here. On verse number seven, the verse is there, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, just like it says in this other King James Bible right here. Now watch this one. In the footnote, right here in the middle margin, in the margin of this Bible that I own, that has good notes in it, it says this. Under the note of verse number seven, listen carefully to this. It is generally agreed, it is generally agreed that verse seven has no real authority and has been inserted. I'll read that again to you. The Schofield Bible, the old Schofield Bible has good notes in it about a lot of things. But you want to be careful that notes are notes. Notes are not scripture. Let me read it again to you. It is generally agreed that verse 7 has no real authority and has been inserted. So you have some questions that you would think about when you read that statement. It is generally agreed. Question. Agreed among whom? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who agrees with each other that this verse should not be there? So you do want to think among scholars. Yeah, you'd be right. Agreed among textual or Bible experts, professionals. They spend all the days looking at different languages. It's generally agreed among those kind of people that verse number seven has no real authority and has been inserted into the Bible. What are they really saying? What are they really saying by that statement? That should be there. Excuse me? That should be there. Should be there. It has been inserted. It's not, it's not it's not meaning it's not part of the quote Bible, yeah. but somebody, some translators, some translation put it in there. That's the, what they're saying. Now, why is this important or is it important at all? Or should we just forget about it? Understand what they are saying. This verse number seven, which is a direct statement about the Godhead or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, doesn't belong there. And somebody put it in there 
Bad, bad, bad. You have a wrong verse in the Bible. It should not be there. That is what they're saying. Now you stop and think. Do you believe the Bible is without mistakes? Now you need to say yes or no. Yes. yes. Who says the Bible is without mistakes? Amen. Okay. If you say you have a Bible, the word Bible means book, the book. If this is God's book, wouldn't you expect it to be free of error and mistakes? Who agrees with that? Raise your hand. Who is not awake? Raise your hand. <laughs> Who's still needing a gallon of coffee? Raise your hand. Now look, if the Bible that you hold in your hand is true, let me back up. If it is the Bible, then it, by nature of the Bible definition, it cannot be without mistakes. Yet they're saying, oh, that verse 7 shouldn't be there. Well, then you don't have a Bible, do you? If it has mistakes. Now here's what they say. Here's the word that they use. You're not going to use this word, but this is the word. Let's just start right. I don't even use it. one R. Yes. It is spurious. Now you don't use that word, but it sounds very educated. It's a spurious verse. Translation. It has no authority to be in the Bible. There is no authority for it to be part of the Bible. It's spurious. It's doubtful. It is, it is not authentic. Therefore, not trustworthy. It's spurious. I have doubt about that. It's not authentic. Shouldn't be there. It has no authority. Now let me ask this question. Is the verse a good statement about the Trinity? Amen. Yes or no? Right. So, does the Bible in other parts bear out the witness, the fact that there is a Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Yes. But does that one verse put it all together in one verse? Yes. But it's spurious. It has no authority. It's not trustworthy. Why would someone say that? When in other parts of the Bible, they do believe that, that there is a Godhead. But here it says right there in one verse, but it says, they said it's spurious. It has no authority. You know what this is about? This is about somebody... It's about somebody, about some people. They think they're so that they have found everything possible to come to a conclusion intellectually. They've looked at all the manuscripts, all the Greek manuscripts, and so on, and they've come to the conclusion it wasn't here, it wasn't here, it wasn't here, therefore, it shouldn't be here. And if it's here, it's because somebody after that added it into the manuscripts so that you have it here. But wait a minute. Doesn't verse 7 bear testimony, bear witness that there is a Godhead? Absolutely. So why would some, they still believe that intellectually, scholarship, therefore, should be in the English Bible. Now, here's what I'm trying to get to you and say to you. If this is the Bible, why would someone try the teaching that... Hmm? There's something going on. Ever since, ever since this year, 1881 version, English translation, the first one since 1611, ever since then, you've had a lot of translations without that verse. Let me give you a list. I'm just going to pass it on to you. Um, American Standard Bible, ASV, RSV, New American Standard Version, NIV, NIV, TDV, today's English version, 
the Living Bible, the Message, New Living Translation, the CEV, Contemporary English Version. All of these are supposed to be easy to understand. They have taken out verse number seven. You have to ask yourself why. Here's what I'll say to you. Here's what I'll say. Um, just because someone very intellectual writes something, it doesn't mean that it is always true. Author reads other books, reads other authors, and they concur or they agree. Now, when you get to high scholarship, higher criticism, you have a, a, a network of people who think like you do. And so if you agree with them, they will write a good forward to your book, to your commentary. Scholarly, honest, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, they all support each other. But if this scholar, out of 12 scholars, out of 11 scholars, the, this group here, this team of scholars, if this guy is independently thinking, saying, wait a minute now, this verse really is supportive of the Trinity. The Trinity is taught in the Bible all over. So they don't possess secret knowledge like a Gnostic, okay? They don't have something, they don't have a pipeline to the truth that you cannot have. They are men like you, the Holy Spirit, legion to all truth about the Son of God. What leads you away from the truth of the Son of God? No, that's obvious. That's obvious. And so, they're only men. Look at verse number 7, 8, and 9. 7, 8, and 9. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Verse 8. And there are three that bear witness on in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. Verse 9. Even men... The witness of give the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. What is the witness of God? Verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 8. The witness of God compared to verses the witness of men. He says this in verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, if we believe the witness of men, if what a man says we believe, he says this: the witness of God is greater. If we receive, if we believe what a man says, what God, that makes sense. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. What is being said here? What is being said here is man says something about God's son. God says something about God's son. He says, you believe what man says about something. God says somebody's son. And it's greater than what man says about son. Who is right? Both are right because man says one thing, God says nothing about his son. Who is right? Well, there are three that are in heaven. Question Are you in heaven now? Were you in heaven at one time? Mm -hmm. Who was in heaven before you were here? God. What did God testify about his son in heaven? So, who are you gonna, which witness are you going to believe? It's about witnessing. It's about it's about testifying about something that you know is true. It should be. You have to make a choice. What you're going to believe? Who are you going to believe? God is saying, "I say this about my son in heaven." Period. That's my witness. That's my witness. God says this. My witness is about my son. Their witness 
is more toxic about his own son. Would that be a good thing to conclude? Now I mean, you need to do something. not just look, not just looking. Sometimes I look at you, I think working. <laughs> you need to think. So the witness of God about his son is more credible, more believable than what people say about the son of God. Uh, we should believe what the witness of God is. Right. Now, have you ever believed the witness of men? We all have. All right, look at this. Here's a brochure, a paper brochure about a cruise, interriding cruise. Wow, look at this. Look at this, honey. It says, for only $25,000 per person on the inside room below deck, below waterline, we can have an uh, inter-island cruise. We stop in Honolulu, we stop in Maui, we stop in uh, Kona and Hilo, we stop in Molokai even, and then we stop and then, and, and, um, oh boy, look at all the food we got here. Look, uh, buffet, room service, fine dining, certain nights. Look at that. Now, you know what people do? They say, wow, wow, look at that, look at that, look at that. You know what they do? They act upon what they read. They believe the witness of a piece of brochure. And they pay millions of, well, they pay to go on this cruise. Now, let's take it another way. Um, okay, let's use, let's use a, a pharmacist. A pharmacist. Pharmacist. Who are pharmacists? Well, they're professionals trained in... They're pill pushers. <laughs> They're druggies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, they give you a prescription. They give you a prescription. And you get the bottle. It says your name. And it says instructions and directions. Take twice a day with water and food. Take twice a day. You read that. You know what you do? You believe it totally. You don't doubt this. It came from the pharmacist with the white coat. You believe totally. You believe the witnesses say when it comes to drugs. You understand? You understand that part? That's true, isn't it? All right, now, how do I know? How do I know the car you own that you say you own is your car? How do I know that the car you own, that you drive, is your car? Because the bank owns it for now. But don't you have a piece of paper, a document that says this is your car registered to you? How do I know you're the registered owner? Because you have a document. Mm -hmm. It's the witness that says you can drive this car because you are the registered owner of this car. Now, if you're the outright owner, you say, I own this car. I say, nah, you don't own this car. Yeah, I did. I own this car. I paid cash for it. Really? You did? No kidding. Now, I'm doubting his words. What will put my doubts to rest? Only one thing. He said, all right, you don't, doubt, you don't believe me? Okay, I'll prove it to you. I said, prove it to me. This is his certificate. This is the legal owner. I said, oh, sorry. You're right. I didn't believe your words, but I believe meant. The witness says you are the owner. There's your name. That's you. That's proof. We believe the witness of men. Documents. I went to a restaurant in Escanaba. It's called Culver's. Culver's? Culver's? It's a well-known establishment in Escanaba for like 30 years. And uh, we went there one, one lunchtime with my mother-in-law and her friend. And looked at the menu. And there's a nice picture of this thing called chicken fried steak. Have you ever had chicken fried steak? 
You have Carmen? Yeah, on the menu. Chicken, they have it here too, over at uh, some other places. But chicken fried steak, and we was really hungry. I was really hungry. And I asked the server, uh, I'm looking at the chicken fried steak. I said, is it good? She said this. Here's what she testified. Oh, it is excellent. Well, that's all I need to hear. It's excellent. I said, and she said, oh, it's the most popular lunch item nowadays. I said, really? See, I wanted to believe somebody saying something, what I was hoping. And so I said, now, what's it come with? And she says, mashed potatoes or rice pilaf or pilaf or something. <laughs> rice pilaf. <laughs> or a baked potato and gravy. And it comes with a, a soft drink. I said, is that right? Now, you know, when I read their menu and she confirmed to me, you know what I had to believe? That I would get this if I paid for it. If I pay $11.99 for this meal, I would get a salad or a soup. I'll get mashed potatoes and the gravy over my chicken fried steak. It'd be the best I've ever had. The picture showed it about the size of my Bible. <laughs> she brought it to me. It was not the size of my Bible. It was the size of a, of a, a roll, but skinny. And there's a gravy on the dish next to it mashed potatoes, and it looks like it's in the warmer too long in the counter in the back. I cut into the thing. It was like cutting into rubber. You really cut rubber with a butter knife? You can't cut. And so it was the most horrible thing I ever had. I'm disappointed. Well, that is to explain. We do believe things, don't we? I ran a man, I'm a man uh, Thursday, and he was a man who believed that the U.S. oil industry has depleted its reserves in America since 2007. I said, is that right? And he was so excited. He was, uh, and he said, yeah, that's right. You know, not many people know this. You know, whenever someone says, not many people know this, it's like to say, we have secret knowledge. We're Gnostic. We know something nobody else knows. Yeah, it's true, it's true. We better, we better stop. Uh, we were first talking about gas prices. I said, yeah, gas prices are really high nowadays. He said, yeah, and you know why? I says, no. He says, because we don't have enough oil. I said, is that right? I said, uh, I remember that uh, we were pumping a lot of oil not too long ago. Not too long ago. He said, yeah, but the real secret is. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, it would be nice if we had lower gas prices here. He said, no, oh, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. If we lower our gas prices in America, it'll hurt Europe. And I'm thinking... Yeah. <laughs> Her, Europe. I said, I said, well, I live here. I pay gas here. I don't care if Europe is hurt. <laughs> he looked at me like, oh, you are such a cruel, hard-hearted man. Oh, my you know the price of gas in Europe now? I said, I don't know, and I really don't care. Because I don't drive their cars. They don't drive my car. I drive my car. My friends in church, they drive their car. It costs us so much more because of several things. I didn't say what. He says, well, the truth is, we have to save Europe. <laughs> okay, I'm going back to, you said the oil reserves have been depleted in the U.S. I said, where did you read that? He said, oh, it's everywhere. I said, well, I haven't seen it everywhere. I said, can you tell me where I can find the source of your information? He says, it's online. I said, okay, that's a pretty big place online. <laughs> Field. I said, can you tell me where you found it? He said, where? 
I said, so you believe that the oil in, in America is depleted because you read something online and you believe that the solution to this is getting, that's right, that's what we know. I said, should I? I said, absolutely. I said, it's too expensive. I know, we've got to sacrifice. I said, do you have one? He said, no. I said, oh, so you want me to sacrifice, but you're not going to sacrifice. <laughs> he has believed the witness of men. He has believed the witness of men. Well, the next time you look at an online offer of um, car, $15 a day, you better read the fine print and go to where it is, how much it costs after taxes. It'll be double that, maybe more. All the taxes and other fees. Uh, people who come to Hawaii, sometimes they get sticker shock because of the parking rates for the properties. Well, it's there online for them to see. Room rate, you keep reading, if you keep reading, you find out that there's this fee, this fee, and this fee, and parking fees, and this and all that kind of thing. It adds up to your room rate per day. It's like out of this world. There are people paying $50 a night for self-parking. Oh, boy, it's so unfair. And you think, did you not read the document? Did you not read the information? Did you not read what it says? Oh, so unfair, and, and so on. So here's the point. God is saying that if you believe the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. We believe everything, but we don't want to believe what the Bible says about His Son. Doesn't that make crazy sense? Doesn't make any sense at all. Now, the most important thing that He wants you to believe, look at verse number 10, 1 John 5, 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath not made uh, hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So between the two witnesses, the the witness of a of a man, the witness of a man, and the witness of the Bible, what God said about His Son. If you don't believe this witness, He's saying you actually think God lied. You actually think God lied about His Son. Well, I can't believe that because it's too unbelievable. But you believe everything else about this and that in this world? He says, you have more faith in what a man has written and what people have said than what you think about what God has said. You have more faith in them than you do in him. He said, you think God's a liar. He says, God's not a liar. But you think he's a liar because it sounds too incredible. How many of you have done some silly things and lost a lot of money because you, you went for an offer that you couldn't believe? It's so unbelievably good. And you bought into it. You gave your phone number. You gave your SS number over the phone. Over uh, some email that came to your way. And says this, this, this. And you believed it. Later on you say. You look in your bank account. What? You quickly try to contact your bank. It's on the weekend. You try to get a chat room. and all this. You got to wait. Till you sweat it out until the weekend's over. Until you get to Monday. And you say, I need to check my account. Now, if you don't do that already online, you need to call somebody to verify that. They all sound so credible. Cam, Cam, text message, Cam, our second attempt to contact you for your rewards. <laughs> our second attempt to contact you for your gift certificate. Our fifth attempt. After this attempt, we will no longer, you will... Sounds so tempting. 
these people from India or the Philippines or some foreign country, Africa, and uh, oh, brother. Now he's saying in verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave. That's the whole thing. God said something, testified about his son. The world testifies about his son. They say somebody's son that's wrong. He says somebody's son is going to be right. Who are you going to believe? What God said about his son? What a man says about his son? Or what some neighbor says about the son? Or some stranger says about the son? You know, you really know somebody when you live with somebody. And a father ought to know his son who's now 15, who's now 10. Over some kid at school sees him just during the school hours. Or some teacher. Oh, that's a real bad kid. He's so quiet. He doesn't pay attention. He doesn't listen. He's always daydreaming. Oh, no, my son is not daydreaming. He's got something going on in his mind. He's thinking really hard because he comes and talks about what, she, what he's talking about. Da, da, da. Oh, really? So the assumption versus the fact. And if there was a testifying time about who, what this boy is like, she'll say one thing. He'll say another thing. Who's the third party going to believe? Better not believe the teacher. Believe the father of the boy. That's what he's saying here. Now watch carefully. Verse number 11. This is the record that God has given to us, that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Can you not see why there's such a push for many, many centuries, generations, decades, why people say, you know, the Bible's written by man, you can't trust it. But they go to the library and believe what the books say. They hear a news broadcast, anchor say something, they believe that without question. But they won't believe what God says. They believe what you say, but they won't believe what God says. Why? It's because the serious issue of eternal life is in Jesus Christ, and if the devil can get people to not believe what the Bible says about his son, God's son, then of course they'll be lost, go to hell. There's a spiritual component here that you cannot ignore. There's a, there's a, oh, the Bible says, what do you mean the Bible says? Go to a college class, the Bible says, uh, Professor, man, yes, uh, what the Bible says that God made man and woman in the beginning. And the class roars and laughter in mockery. Can you believe that? <laughs> The professor just says, come now, come now, let him have his say. And he says what he says from the Bible. And then, of course, the, the professor has to say so. He says, well, uh, class, let me tell you something. This is an example of somebody from the country, somebody from the bushes, somebody who has not been educated. This shows a lack of education to this point. But in this class, we will educate him. What we class? Yay! We will teach him the truth about where we came from. Yay! And that poor kid sits there, just totally humiliated because he's been just overpowered by the mass of people here who believes in something totally wrong. They'll believe him. They believe the anthropology books, but they won't believe the Bible. Why? Because there's something very insidious about taking your minds away from believing what the witness of God is so that you don't get saved. Right. You got to understand that. It's just not because you're Baptist or because... You know, you're fanatical. No, no, it's because it's because the witness of God is greater than man. And the witness is to say, believe what I say because leading you to believe what I said leads you to believe what the, my promises are to you about eternal life. You believe in my son, life is in his son, you trust him, you have eternal life. 
of the world. And the devil says, no, 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 we can't have that. That is too narrow. And so that is why you don't want to supersede the witness of a man over the witness of what God said. Okay? I need to stop now. And we need to, um, we need to pray for uh, Nathan and Kristen. They're going to go. They have an appointment for surgery at Stanford. And um, Nathan, you sent me two texts, but what is the date that Kristen leaves and you leave? We leave on Saturday. Coming Saturday. And then it's at Stanford. And surgery so I, should be uh, next Thursday. Twenty-eight. Okay. So do pray for that upcoming trip, and of course, a successful surgery for little David. All right. So spend time doing that this week. Okay, let's dismiss in prayer. We'll take a short break. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Help us, Lord, to put your word over what we say, and we pray that you would take care of all the different needs that people have. In Jesus' name, amen.